0: that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us.
1: Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast.
3: All right, so look at that headline right there. Republicans and Democrats clash over police reform. You know what this is about? This is about an actual piece of legislation that is being argued and debated in the United States Senate. And I did a double take because that's that's not how laws are made in our country anymore. The Senate and the House don't actually do anything anymore because they're all afraid to. Our laws come from regulators, unelected bureaucrats, and our judges. That has just been demonstrated by these Supreme Court decisions. Josh Hawley from Missouri got it exactly right when he was complaining about Gorsuch and the decisions on the sexual discrimination cases being lapped into the 1964 Civil Rights Act. You know, th- th- to put this in perspective, to show you how we conservatives, and I, look, folks, I don't want to dispirit you here. I've already got a story here, a polling data that, let's see, uh, well, a poll shows that half of Americans are unhappy. What is that? what the actual headline. Uh Yeah. Uh, Americans are unhappiest they've been in 50 years, not half of Americans, unhappiest they've been in 50 years. (laughs) Does that not make sense? But but here, I I don't want to dispirit you here, but do we ever hear about liberal judges not advancing the liberal cause? We do not. They never make a mistake when they appoint a judge. Isn't that amazing? They never get fooled. They appoint a judge, and that judge knows his job. That judge is to write the law as it uh, should be under liberalism. We don't do that. We have these people that, that, fet, that, that rate judges and recommend them to the president, and we pick the best conservatives we can find based on conservative principles and so forth. Then we roll the dice. The, the bottom line, conservative judges do not consider themselves at all like liberal judges do how you might say well that's the way it ought to be it ought to be that way they ought to judge cases based on the law not their agenda well that's why we keep losing because we are not we're not on the playing field we're not we're not we are engaged in a battle for the kind of country we're going to have why do you think the american people are suggesting that they're more unhappy than they've ever been. None of what's happening now is normal. None of what's happening now is anything people would design, including the lockdowns, the shutdowns, the pandemic, the ineffective way of dealing with it, the fake news, all of these public protests, all these malcontents. Look at what we've done. Lyndon Johnson, Civil Rights Act 1964. What if we have we had? We have a great society. We've had the war on poverty. We've had over $4 trillion of wealth transferred to producers, from producers, taxpayers, to, um, to, to people who were discriminated against. They're worse off today than they were before all this happened. This is one of Shelby Steele's big points. After all of this supposed help, it's one of my big points too, after all of this help, after all this compassion, after all this assistance provided by the Democrat Party, we've got an angrier population of minorities than we have ever had. And most people in this country do not think they're racist. They think they've gone out of their way to avoid being racists. They've gone out of their way to be accommodating. They've gone out of their way to be sympathetic. It doesn't compute. Most people are asked, what the hell else can I do? Now, if you get into the millennial demographic... They're not old enough to have had this perspective yet. And I have mentioned the past couple of days, and this is true, that the vast majority of violent protests, not all, but the vast majority of violent protests are being conducted by white millennial kids. And in that group, it's a hell of a lot of women. They have been totally... Their minds and brains have been totally commandeered. You, you parents who have kids at college or recently were at college and have come, you know exactly what I'm talking about. After two years there, they come home and they start telling you how you're racist. You're destroying the planet with climate change. You have, you're, you're listening to complaints about your parenting and the way you've run the country that you don't even recognize. But your kids have been indoctrinated to believe that this country is white privileged. It's white it's systemic. It's not a white. Uh, oh, I'll get these two terms confused. White white privilege, white supremacy. And the dangerous thing is, I've seen evidence. I've had parents call here to start agreeing with their kids. Their kids are coming home from college and persuading them that they're right. So then, when the kids go to Seattle, start burning things down, the parents are proud of them. Other people go, well, what the hell is happening to our country? There's, there, what is what is there to be, if you take it in the big picture of things right now, what is there to be happy about? Well, we're alive. But that doesn't count because everybody takes that for granted every day. Uh, let's see. Economy may be coming back. Well, yeah, but there. you notice that there's an effort to try to dispirit you on that. There is an effort. It is ongoing and never ending to depress you. To dispirit you. Uh, I, I just I, I find I find so much of this totally explainable. Why people would be unhappy. And let, let's go back to the you know, I, I was only half joking here. Josh Hawley, after the Supreme Court decisions proclaimed that this now is the end of the conservative judicial movement, that there isn't one. Meaning, if the best and the brightest conservative judges can side with the liberals on the Supreme Court on something nobody ever thought any sensible conservative would do, then what is the point of having a conservative judicial movement? It is the left that has a liberal judicial movement. It is the left that finds judges that never waver, that never do anything but what they are to do. They are to rule in favor of liberalism in every case. They are to rule in favor of liberal people in every case, liberal policy. They are there to write law from the bench. That's their mission. That's what they do. We do not. And yet we're the ones demonized. We're the ones lying. Well, it just vicious, this mean-spirited, conservative judicial movement out there. And it's led by the Federalist Society. And a, bunch of, a bunch of Nazis and so forth. All these insults are coming around. There is no... Hawley is right. There is no judicial conservative movement. There can't be. But Hawley also said what that proves is... Legislation doesn't happen in the Senate anymore, and it doesn't happen in the House. Now, let's take a look at this one case, the Gorsuch case, where textualism was used to go ahead and look at the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and say, yep, it included transgenders. Because we think it should. But it didn't. Transgenders, transgenderism was nothing when that law was written. If you want the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to include transgenders, then what you have to do is go back and write legislation for it. They didn't want to do it. The Republicans didn't want to do it because they don't want to get grief from conservative donors. Pelosi didn't want to do it because she just assumed Republican turncoats on the court do it for her. She wins a twofer here. They get... Transgenderism in the Civil Rights Act. Plus, they get conservative judges betraying the conservative movement. That's a win-win for her, or any of the other Democrats out there that look at matters this way, count wins and losses this way. But the vast majority—that's why this, this this police reform bill that the uh, the Senate is now is now debating. Uh, I actually did a double take because you just – you don't see actual legislation happening on Capitol Hill very much. They farm everything out, base closures, um, unelected uh, regulators writing regulations nobody ever sees until they run up against them, judges making law from the bench. Except our judges don't; they make they help liberals make law from the bench. So it's a uh, well. No, what it does it's setting Hawley up well for a presidential run in 2024. And I th- I think you, know, you look at two uh, two Republicans right now that if we're if we're just talking about 2024 right now, uh, we're assuming th- that that Trump's going to win. We're assuming Trump's going to uh, win in November. So the next. Presidential race, where there'll be an open ticket, would be 2024. And right now, Josh Hawley is making a move on it, and so is Tom Cotton. And they are positioning themselves as heirs of the Trump movement, heirs of a populist movement. They are not selling some return uh, to conservative small government, you know, whatever the old conservative arguments were, smaller, less spending, smaller government. They're setting themselves up to inherit. The, uh, the Trump agenda, which is populism, make America great again. And it's, it's – that, that's okay. I mean, I'm fine with that. I think it's, it's cool for them to already be thinking about this. But I, I, I like both of their reactions to, to uh, what is going on. Look at this headline. Manhattan DA refuses, declines. To prosecute the man arrested who committed vandalism against St. Patrick's Cathedral. Do you realize how often this is happening all over the country? The vandals, the rioters, the looters, none of them are being prosecuted. Why do you think that is? Well, because at the root of it is Black Lives Matter. And everybody is scared to death of them. Literally scared to death of them. And so it's just the path of least resistance. Okay, we catch somebody looting. We catch a bunch of people looting. Vandalizing. No prosecution. There's this firm out there that has uh, raised $30 million to bail some of these perps out of jail. You know how much they've spent? As of yesterday, $200,000. So there's $29,800,000 hasn't been spent yet that has been raised on bail for Black Lives Matter and other type perps. Where, where's that money? Where's that money go? I'll guarantee you that money's going right to the Democrat Party. It's going right to the presidential campaign. It's going right to the Democrat National Committee. What do you mean, where's it going? The only place it can go. And I... I in all of this talk about these police departments and how racist they are and how, how, how bigoted and, and how out of control they are. Didn't Obama and Eric Holder have the Department of Justice take over something like 36 of these police departments under consent decrees? They took over police departments from Oakland to Baltimore Like A. Trident, St. Louis, Ferguson, uh, dozens of cities in between. And you know why they did it? These consent decrees are well known. It was the way Obama wanted to federalize local police forces. He and Holder had this as an objective federalizing, meaning federal government control over as much as possible, including local policing. Thirty-six American police departments were taken over by the federal government. They were demanded, they were told that they had to do certain things, and if they couldn't, that the consent decree would apply. And they were given impossible conditions to meet. And so a number of these police departments, and I'm not kidding, Oakland, Baltimore, ended up under the control of... The federal government. So how can there be any police racism or brutality after police departments have been under the enlightened control of the Obama Holder administration? How does that happen? How is it that places that have been run by the Democrat Party for decades, how is it That there's any racism anywhere in these cities, much less just the police department. The Democrat Party promises to end all of that. And they promise to punish all the people responsible for it. Us, conservative Republicans. And yet we don't have a presence in any, any of these cities where we have any ability to shape the law or regulations. This is all on the Democrat Party. And I'll tell you, I think a lot of these statues coming down and all of this stuff going on, I think it is Democrats doing the best to get rid of their symbols of failure. Like Democrats are doing everything they can to divert everybody's attention away from what has been decades of failure, failed promises, failed implementations of policy, because virtually everything they've been promising, particularly minority communities, hasn't come to pass. The minority communities are angrier today than they've ever been after $4 trillion of transfer of wealth for the great society programs and the uh, war on poverty, all of those things that LBJ created. Listen to Shelby Steele. He will tell you That the black community, in terms of education, in terms of jobs, in terms of standard of living, they were all doing better, including in Harlem. They were all doing better before the war on poverty, before the Great Society. And he will tell you that the Great Society was not, in the war on poverty was not, they were not about actually improving the lives of African Americans. They were all about improving the political prospects of politicians who supported the legislation. It was the greatest example of I care you've ever seen. It had gazillion-dollar price tags to it. It had all kinds of blame. It had all kinds of promises. But as we know now, we can watch the country burn in various blue cities after various blue cities and various blue states... And we can see by the evidence in our eyes that there hasn't been anything that the Democrat Party has engaged in that has made one person in the minority community they claim to serve happy. Back in a sec. Off to a rousing start. Rush Limbaugh behind the golden EIB microphone. I'm still, I'm still zeroed in on this uh, story. Uh, da, 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 da. Americans are unhappiest that they've been in 50 years' poll show. By the way, the, this poll was taken by something called NORC, ORC. This is not defined in this stupid story, so I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's NORC at the University of Chicago. So I, I've never heard of it. Um, the senior research scientist with NORC at the University of Chicago is Louise Hawley. And uh, she says that, well, loneliness, surprisingly, was not more prevalent among people who claim that they're unhappier than ever. Loneliness is not as high as it could be. People have figured out a way to connect with others. It is not satisfactory, but people are managing to some extent. Uh, Most of it, I, I guess, is based on people's fear for their kids' economic future. Which makes total sense. I mean, uh, although that's a common parental concern in, in good times as well. So apparently there's a new China outbreak in, in Pei- Beijing. It's caused them to halt flights, to shut schools. Residents, just as they were in Wuhan, are now being rounded up and sent to who knows where. So it's uh, if you if, depending on the fake news you look at, you can find any reason in the world to be unhappy. Is the point? And welcome back, Rush Limbaugh, behind the golden EIB microphone, executing assigned host duties flawlessly. Uh, Doctor Fauci is now saying that he would not go to the Trump rally. Well, I guess we need to wait for John Bolton to weigh uh, in on whether he would go to the uh, to the Trump rally. Somebody will ask him. Would you? Would you go to the uh, Trump rally and tell us over the weekend, Mr. Bolton? No. Nope. You. Uh, you think you'll ever speak to the president? No. Nope. What was the first thing the president said to you when you first met? It was a lie. I don't know what it was, but he lied. Lied all the time. So you wouldn't go to the rally? No. Well, if Bolton wouldn't go. We can't. And then Fauci. No. Oh, no. 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 Fauci. I will not go to the Trump rally. I. Uh, I wouldn't go. Now, Dr. Fauci ought to be in heap big trouble, but he's not. Dr. Fauci admitted to lying to the American people in the early days of all this. He told people that wearing face masks is no big deal. He said it's it's not guaranteed to protect you. You don't have to wear a mask. He knowingly lied to people, and he's now saying he did that so that the general public would leave these masks alone so that the medical community could have them all because there was a shortage of them, particularly the N95 masks. But just, just think about it. You, you, you want to throw all of this stuff into the hopper and expect the American people to trust the world's foremost authorities in white lab coats, And even Dr. Fauci admits now to misleading people. Experts told us that masks don't work, all the while knowing that they did work. Experts told us we had to wipe down every surface to protect ourselves. We now know that's not necessary. That's not how the virus is spread. We were told to social distance, but the Democrats say that's nonsense. If you are outside attending a protest, a riot, or a looting event. Same people tell us we don't need the police anymore. We don't even need a second amendment to stay safe. Now the same people are dictating what t-shirt you can wear. And they want to censor your online presence. And we're being called the fascists. Just amazing! Remember, folks, you got to keep in mind. I know the the, uh, the news is filled with brand new record cases, and they love pointing out that they're happening in 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 Republican-led states that opened up, like DeSantis in Florida, Greg Abbott in Texas, uh, Greg Kemp in Georgia. The drive-by media is ecstatic. Drive by media thrilled. They can't wait to tell you record number of daily cases. They don't bother to explain that a lot of this is because there's testing being done more frequently than ever. They don't tell you that most of the cases are asymptomatic. They don't tell you they, they in fact they lie and they try to convince you that cases equals death. That cases equals sick. You've got to remember something as all this, because they are trying to get these governors to lock their states down again. They're trying to get DeSantis to do it. They want Greg Abbott to do it in Texas. So the Democrat governor of Houston's thinking about shutting down Houston, turning uh, NRG Stadium into a hospital. That's all being done to put pressure on the governor. Same thing in Georgia. Anywhere else that's opened up, the drive-by media is being its activist self, attempting to convince these governors that they need to buckle the pressure and close and lock down. Remember something. The lockdown, the shutdown, was never intended to protect people from getting the virus. It was never intended to reduce the numbers of people who get the virus. There's no way it could. You lock people down for two months. They're they're still going to come out at some point. All you're doing with a lockdown or shutdown is a delay of people who are eventually going to become affected. But folks, it's important to remember the lockdown, the shutdown, the shelter in place was never about preventing the spread. It was about one thing. It was about flattening the curve temporarily so that uh, hospitals would not be overrun by patients who could not be treated. Well, now that's not a factor. we got ventilators out the wazoo. we got masks out the wazoo. We've got all kinds of PPE and medical equipment that we didn't have two months ago or three. So the hospital and the hospitals are not overrun now. You ought to hear the, the anecdotal stories of people end up in the hospital now for something else, and they talk about how deserted the hospitals are, because a lot of people are still not going in for elective treatments. Hospitals are being reserved for COVID patients, but they they're not they're not overwhelmed. But the point is. There's no need to lock down again. It was not designed. The lockdown could not prevent people from getting the disease. It could not prevent the spread. But the media is doing its level best to convince people we got to shut down to stop the spread. That It was never about that. It was about protecting the hospital system, not being overrun. But now the hospital system can handle many more patients of COVID-19 than they could three months ago precisely because the Trump administration got into gear and made sure there were ventilators and made sure there were masks and all kinds of other PPE type of equipment. so Don't fall for this. We might have to lock down again. There's no reason for it. There's no reason to lock down. It's not going to change in the long term. The number of people who become infected is not going to change. The number of people who don't become infected but, but become asymptomatic, it isn't going to change anything. They're just trying to scare the heck out of you into supporting another shutdown because they want the economic crash that would come along with it. Because what they really want is Donald Trump out of the uh, out of the White House. Uh, where are we going to start here on the uh, on the phone? Just give me. Uh, I'd be Carolyn in Virginia Beach. Uh, you're up first today. Great to have you on the program. Hello.
4: Hi, Russ. Thank you um, for listening to me and mega prayers and dittos. I was just going to say that I think that the the unhappiness is just another sign that Trump is going to win again. Okay. Um,
3: Tell me why.
4: so, So, because it's the same thing like it was back in 2016, where we were forced not to speak the truth. The same thing is happening all over again. You're not allowed to raise your voice, show your flag, um and because the cancel culture will come down on you hard you see all these companies out there really honestly making fools of themselves with all of this stuff and and i'm i've been doing a lot of reading and and listening and i feel like there's going to be many more black americans voting for trump than the left wants to admit and so they're just trying to continue to scare us you it's really hard to find anything positive to listen to on the media or to read these days but when you do find something like i found something last night where um this woman who was sounds like she was a pretty flaming liberal uh went to a trump rally and actually enjoyed herself and says she's going to vote for trump and um so i just think that they're just they're we're, we're being scared and we just have to stand up for the truth and for our country and one more thing Tim Scott today did an amazing job with this whole police reform, which they also don't want us to get. They don't want Trump to get through. And you want to talk about somebody for 2024. I think Tim Scott is in there, too, because
3: Uh, could you explain something to me, Carolyn? Sure. Don't get mad at me, folks. What is in this reform bill that Tim Scott and these other guys are planning?
4: What is it? It's, yeah, I mean, you
3: like it. What, what, what's in it? You think Well, it's...
4: I don't know that I necessarily like it, but I feel like some of the stuff, especially if they contain down the um, the unions, I mean, unfortunately, I know that the unions help good cops sometimes, but it might be that they're helping bad cops more than we are helping good cops. And so they were talking something about dealing with the unions a little bit. Yeah. I'm not sure about the whole chokehold thing. My nephew is a police officer, and I know that it's really hard to take people down sometimes. But the the things that we've been shown... I
3: bet you have a mean chokehold. You sound like somebody have a mean chokehold. Uh-huh. You sound like a no-nonsense chokeholder.
4: Well, you're, 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 they're not going to get me back.
3: <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, I appreciate the call. I understand, I understand the sentiment that with this poll out there, with so much American unhappiness, it pretty much translates into a donald trump re-election now keep in mind and i, I don't have to tell you this that the, the media media my it's not they're not media whatever whatever they democrats in the media whatever the hell they are they are attempting to the reason for this poll more americans today unhappy because of trump because of what trump's done because of the mockery Trump has made of the White House and the presidency. And Trump's the reason people are unhappy. Trump's the reason they're burning down cities. Trump is the reason that white cops think they can go out and kill black prisoners. Trump is the they're trying to throw all of this off on Trump. Either directly or indirectly. But regardless how they're trying it, they they, they, they want that to be... The conclusion, folks, I'm telling you, I'll tell you one more time, what they're really trying to do is convince all of you Trump voters that none of this would be happening if you hadn't elected Trump in the first place, that you ultimately are responsible for this, that these people will tell you, you know, we'll go back to being sane. We will go back to being sane. Cooperative and nice, and all. Well, you get rid of that guy. You have ruined this country by electing that guy. And he's the reason that we've gone insane. He's the reason we're crazy. You elected him. You get rid of him. And I guarantee you, they'll have the, the country will get back to normal and none of this will continue. That's what they want you to believe. However, they go about convincing you of it. They want you to believe all this is your fault. It's your responsibility. You elected the guy and you stand by him. That everything they're doing is justified because he's so dangerous, he's so unqualified, he's so stupid. Their insanity is justified because of Donald Trump. And you made it happen. Just trying to warn you of the pressure that you are going to be under in coming months. Okay, so supposedly now, the coronavirus is percolating all over again In China, New China Outbreak Raises Fears for World, drudge lead headline. Schools shut, flights halted in China, drudge headline. Residents rounded up, drudge headline. Six U.S. states see record jump in cases. Oh, my God, it's coming again. We've got to lock down. That's not stated, but that's implied And in the final headline, Dr. Fauci, I would not go to Trump rally. I would not be caught dead at Trump rally. I would not be caught dead where Trump is, period. Okay, so let's look at some contradictory stories. American Institute for Economic Research. What spike? Hospitalization data show no indication of a second wave. My, My point, folks... You can't believe anything in the news. Because there isn't any news anymore. And I'm sorry for being redundant. There's a media, but they don't do news. They are not journalists. They're hiding as journalists. They are activists every bit as much as liberal judges are not judges. They, too, are activists. There is no pretense of doing news. There's no pretense... The only thing that's happening is destroy Donald Trump, destroy Trump voters, destroy the Republican Party, re-elect Democrats. That's all that's going on. You cannot believe this stuff. You can't believe the virus numbers. Look, the hospitals have every incentive to call every patient a virus patient because they get money for it. The press... The media has every incentive to hurt Trump. And the people counting and adding up all these numbers, they have issues with counting and they're hiding their math. The modelers, the projections, we're not getting a truth out of anything. Are we on the verge of a second wave of coronavirus infections? Is there a spike infections in states that reopen first? Well, the only way to answer that is to watch as the data roll in. This is Stephen Miller at the American Institute for Economic Research. Arguably the best data to look at, see if a second wave is happening, is the hospitalization numbers. The media frequently report the biggest and most dramatic numbers, often devoid of any context. The number of cases has been reported regularly since the early days of the pandemic, and yet we know that the number of cases can be misleading, particularly as the uh, incidence of testing, which identifies cases, increases. The point is, this story says hospitalization data right now shows no indication of a rise in infections. There's no... And, and the hospitals have every incentive to show that. They get money for it. Next story, by Chris von Silvavly, Spectator USA. Have the protests proved that COVID-19 risks are being vastly exaggerated? This guy's a virologist specializing in bat-borne diseases. Chris, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's a great question, Dad. Yo, I want I to study, study diseases that bats spread around. That's really interesting, little Chris. How did you come up with that? Do you even know what a bat is? Oh, yeah, Dad. We got a bunch of them at the attic. I love them. They're my friends, and I want to, I, I to know how they spread. How does somebody decide what to do? It always amazes me. Anyway, this virologist specializes in bat-born, thank God for these people. Don't misunderstand He's a visiting lecturer in mathematics at the Budapest University of Technology. And he says, you know, by now, we ought to be seeing massive numbers of new cases from the looting and the rioting and the protesting and in Seattle where all this stuff is going on. And we aren't. He's contending that the anti-lockdown rallies of a month ago have not shown any increase in cases when everybody thought that they would. And look at this. A researcher at the Hoover Institution's conservative think tank Stanford says that the coronavirus lockdowns cost the economy $1 trillion without saving many lives. The lockdown was not intended to save lives. Everybody was misled about that so that they would go along with it. One of the biggest lies of this whole thing. Hi, welcome back. It is the Rush Limbaugh program. This is the EIB Network. Happy to have you with us, uh, folks. As we rock on, broadcast excellence. Telephone number 800-282-2882. The email address, uh, lrushbaugh.eibnet.us. Looking at you talking to lots of you on the phone today. Uh, Here's the detail on the Hoover Institution research, David Henderson's the researcher. He says that the coronavirus lockdowns cost the economy a trillion dollars without saving many lives. And, and the way he found this is that the best study so far, believe it or not, is from the University of California, Berkeley. They found social distancing measures and harsh shelter in place measures saved about 74,000 lives, and even that's an exaggeration for two reasons. And he goes on to explain that we had an increase in the number of suicides because all this is very hard for people who felt hopeless to begin with, and they lose their job, and they lose this, then they have no future. And he just, you know, it's very hard for people to live this way, he says. Second, there's a, a study in Germany that says a lot of these deaths aren't so much – prevented as delayed because unless the vaccine comes along which nobody expects people are going to die they're going to die later than than now so but again it don't mean to be redundant here but the lockdown was not designed to save lives and i keep harping on this because there are so many lies and distortions and lying intentions that the media is attempting, they want another lockdown. They are desperate for it. They think they got Trump on the ropes and another lockdown and he won't survive it because the economy can't handle it. And a lot more people will lose their jobs and a lot more people will become destitute and a lot more people will need welfare. And a lot of people won't get the welfare that they need because we don't have the money to provide it for them. We can't keep printing it. It'll be a total disaster. We can blame it on Trump. Now, people say, well, are they not going to be effective? Folks, they aren't. The leaders of these movements are not. That is the whole point. The leaders of socialist movements are never impacted by the mess they create for everybody else. That's why they're called elites. It's why they're not worried about it. I mean, it's it's an ultimate act of selfishness, and there's no patriotism involved in, uh, in this at all. The original reason for the lockdown was to make sure hospitals were not overrun with COVID-19 cases... Because we didn't have the capability of dealing with it. But even remember, we built the field hospital Central Park. Never used it. We had the ship, the Navy ship Mercy, goes into dock in New York. Never used it. And it was used for non-COVID-19 cases. It was there to make sure there were hospital space for people who not being able to get into hospitals because they were overrun with COVID-19 patients. They were not overrun. couple hospitals were, but overall... Uh, once we got the ventilators built and the masks and the PPE, then there was everything's fine and it's fine now. The hospitals are entirely capable of handling whatever would come their way. At least they're in much better shape to handle it now than at the beginning of all this. But the reason for the lockdown was not to save your life. The reason for the lockdown they want you to think that's how you save your life. If you if you lock down, you will not get the virus. If you lock down and if you stay home and you follow our guidelines, you will not get sick. Yeah, until you go stir crazy and leave your house, they couldn't they couldn't sustain the lockdown forever, although some Democrat governors are still trying to. But all the lockdown was, was a delay. It was never intended to save lives. It was never intended to stop the spread of the virus. The only thing to do that is a vaccine. And we're nowhere near a vaccine. And maybe some therapeutic treatments would would help if there were actually some that worked, but there aren't yet. So it was not about anything people thought. One of the ways they got compliance you realize, we were talking about this at a caller the other day, talking about how flat-out easy it was to get the American people to stay home for three months in a row? And what happened in those three months? The last three years of an economic revival like the country hadn't seen were destroyed. Three months. I will guarantee you that the... Leftist, socialist leaders looked at that and said, this is beyond our wildest dreams. People stayed home for three months and never once pushed back against us? They probably couldn't believe their good luck, because what did it tell them? It told them they could do it again if they come up with sufficient fright. And if they come up with sufficient solutions to the sufficient fright. So the sufficient fright is you could die. The solution, stay home. You won't die. The two don't go together because you can't stay home forever. Nobody's ever going to pull that off. At any rate, the um, effort is ongoing. Here's a brand new story. Coronavirus model once used by White House now predicts 200,000 American deaths by October. Once used by the white... What does that have to do with anything? This is one of the fake models from the University of Washington. It has never been right. The Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, IHME, probably one of the first modeling units you heard about when all this began, and there was one from the U.K. And these two models together were predicting anywhere 2.2 million deaths to 500,000. Then they revised it all down when they factored in social distancing. So now we've got a story, and this story is from CBS. Coronavirus model once used by White House now predicts 200,000 U.S. deaths by October. What, how does it add credibility to this to say that it was once used by the White House? It must be because people trust the White House Coronavirus Task Force still. Or believe me, that wouldn't be in the headline and that wouldn't be part of the story. So here, here, here's the detail. A coronavirus model, once used by the White House, now projects more than 200,000 Americans could die of COVID-19 by October 1st. The prediction went up by more than 30,000 since last week. Have you forgotten that 200,000 might could have been going to die by May 1st or pick a month there was a model that predicted that I'm sure these models have been all over the place the last thing these people want is for the NBA to start up for the NFL to start up major league baseball to start up they don't want that happening they don't want you having any diversions they want you mired in all this misery. And they want you blaming Donald Trump for it. So according to the latest model from the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington, a research institute once utilized by the White House for coronavirus projections, another 85,000 or so deaths are now projected by October 1st. IHME's interactive projections show that by the 1st of October, deaths from coronavirus, the U.S., could reach anywhere from 171,000 to 270,000, with a likely figure of 201,129. We've seen these numbers before, and they have never been right. The IHME says, well... Rising mobility and premature relaxation of social distancing in some states are the main reason. Wait, wait, wait. We just had a story that there hasn't been a massive outbreak of cases among the looters and the rioters of Black Lives Matter. And believe me, they have been amassing in massive numbers. They have been. By the way, this is something to note, folks. You take a look at some of these Black Lives Matter protests, like the one that happened in Brooklyn, everybody's seen the picture of, or wherever you've seen them, they are larger than Trump rallies. I don't, they're, they're outdoors. They are larger than Trump rallies. And if you look carefully, the vast majority of attendees are young, white millennials. And if you look even closer than that, you're going to see the majority of the white millennials are female. They have bought hook, line, sinker into the idea America's a racist nation, still slavery-based. They're filled with sympathy. They're filled with guilt. Their college professors have succeeded like you parents never have succeeded in raising your kids. Your kids' minds have been corrupted like you can't imagine. Not only do these young people believe the worst of their country, they believe you, their parents... We're part of the problem. Whether you knew it or not, you don't have an excuse. Ignorance is no excuse. And they're out there and they are march, and they have money. Another little known fact is that these white protesters, affluence is one of the primary characteristics. And the Black Lives Matter people are very happy about that. But there are mass huge crowds, and we, we haven't had a massive reporting of new cases. And those people have been shoulder to shoulder. They've been belly to belly. They've been back to back. They've been pelvis to pelvis. They've been mouth to mouth. They've been butt to butt. They've been getting together every which way it is known to get together, and no new cases. Have I covered everything there? Not being a transgender, I may have left out some new techniques. Tongue to tongue, yes, but that that that's not new. Neither is tongue to pelvis. But you get my point. They have been swarming together, and they have not been socially distancing. And not all of them have been wearing masks. And they have been they have been amassing in pretty pretty big numbers. So here comes this this bogus model projection again. Now trying to, what, the real reason for saying that a model once used by the White House, they actually want you to think that this is a Trump administration prediction. Not their model prediction. They want you to think the Trump administration is behind this. Why? Because they know you people who love Trump will believe it. Because you think Trump doesn't lie. You think Trump is telling the truth. So if this, if this was a model used by the White House, then it must be true. There, I mean, the, the degree of deceit that is being used under the guise of journalism every day in this country is impossible to keep calculating. I forgot one little bit of new news to share with you, and then we'll get to the phones. It is this. Are you ready? This, this, uh, this is Yahoo News. People of color i.e. African-American. And maybe Hispanics. We don't care about them right now, do we? It's African-Americans. And I can understand they're being ticked off. I mean, Democrat Party for the last five years has only cared about illegal immigrants. Black Lives Matter going to fix that. Black Lives Matter and all these other things. Screw you, you illegal immigrant The hell with you? You are not taken over as the number one minority to the Democrat Party. We own it, dude. We own it. And they have succeeded. People of color account for a majority of coronavirus. In fact, 64%, you people. 64% of coronavirus patients are African Americans. What a racist country. What a racist virus. Do not doubt me when I tell you that that headline and story has a purpose. And it is to reinforce the sick and perverted point of view that America is still a racist country. It is based on the fact that they know the vast majority of people pay attention to them are stupid and dumb and are wired emotionally rather than intellectually. So this has this has an emotional peg. of coronavirus patients are people of color. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's bad enough what cops are doing. Oh, no. Now the virus. That's how it's designed to be reacted to. Okay, to the phones, we return. Sheridan, Michigan, this is Martin, and it's great to have you here. Hello.
5: Thank you, Rush. Greetings to you, the great Maharishi. I've been listening to you since 93, and it's an honor to
3: speak with you. Thank you, sir, very much. I appreciate that.
5: Um, I just wanted to point out I, what I've learned over the years is that the baby boomers have been driving the economy and politics for at least 50 years. And there's a Pew Research article dated April 28th that talks about the millennials have now overtaken the baby boomers. As America's largest generation, and anyway, my theory is is that a lot of this is happening because
1: uh,
5: because the the socialist Democrats are wanting to pander to the majority, and you know whether it's driving the economy or driving the protests and the the uh, riots and those kinds of things, they know they have a majority that they can uh, that will listen to them. Over and above the older generation.
3: Okay, okay, I don't, I don't understand. And it, it may not be your fault. Um, I, I'm not functioning anywhere near 100 percent here. So, what, what I, what I think I heard you say is, Pew says the millennials have become the number one generation. So the left recognized that and started pandering to them.
5: Yeah, I, I feel that the left or the socialist Democrats have started they realize that there's this new majority and that they can get a majority consensus from these millennials that's driving all of this unrest and things that are going on and
3: so wait and, are, you, are you are you saying that if the pew survey had not come out and if the millennials had not overtaken in number the uh the baby boomers that the socialist uh, leaders would not be pandering to the millennials right now
5: Well, that's a good question. I I don't know if that's the case. I just think, you know, that there's the sense of, you know, where the millennials are increasing in number. In fact, the research article even talks about immigration, that immigration is going to add to the millennial population, which to me even speaks to uh, why they want to, why they're pro-immigration and want to bring
3: even more people in. It's just going to feed. You mean millennials support illegal immigration because they want more millennials to come to the country? Right. Mo- the millennial. I, I think millennials are too selfish to give a rat's rear end about that. Well, I'm
5: not saying it from a millennial standpoint. I'm talking about the Democrats, you know, that they want to they want to bring all this in. They want to bring this immigration in, and they want to increase... The, the population of the millennials to have that uh, majority.
3: Well, I, I look, I, 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 I like the way people think. I try to keep track of it, but I'm this. I'm, I'm still missing this one. Uh, I don't think the Democrats care. They'll take anybody they can persuade. They've had their hooks into the millennials ever since millennials got to high school and into college. They got their hooks into the baby boomers when they were in college. Um, I, they've had an easier time with the millennials because they themselves, the professor and the faculty, they, they became more radical as time went on. And more universities adopted that radical uh, curriculum and it, it became its own activist cause. Uh, I, I don't – I think I, – I, I don't get what difference it makes if socialist liberal Democrats identify millennials over baby boomers, what, what help me out? What, what, what difference does that make? It's, it's I think it's
5: driving the media narrative. It's driving, you know, they know that they have this, this audience, you know, that's bigger than what we've had before. You know, the article states that, you know, the, the, uh, the Gen Xers and baby boomers are gonna be, you know, in the next thirty years, they're gonna far surpass you know, far the baby boomers
3: in thirty years are gonna be gone.
5: Right. And the gen I'm a Gen Xer, you know, and and and, and we're gonna be old and not have much to do with the economy or politics or whatever. So as this population of the the millennials grows and even younger They have this new platform now of socialism or whatever that's appealing to them. All
3: right. All right. I still don't get it, but I'm glad you called. Okay, back to the phones. This is Rosalie in Las Vegas. It's uh, great to have you here. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. Hi.
6: Well, I was not ever a really big fan of talk radio. My, my husband would. He's
3: a, he's hey, a, hey, a, hey, a hey, Could he's you a, hold? I, wait, wait, I, wait, 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 wait. But I'll tell you what. I've, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait, hang, hang on, hang on a minute. Would you please pull the phone three or four inches away from your mouth kind of like this? Oh, okay. A little more. Oh, all righty. There you go. Now I can understand you. Thank, okay. thank you very much. You're welcome. So I, yeah,
6: I was never a big, I mean, I would listen to you occasionally, but my husband would listen to you in the shower, in the mornings, at night. I mean, it was all the time, and I just was kind of frustrated. In the last couple of days, I have seen the light. I don't know, it's something, either I woke up or you started to say something different. I'll tell you what, I um, I am no longer... Uh, I'm a, actually I'm a, a problem solver, so it's been gut wrenching to see the truth. But wow, you are spot on. And um,
3: well, I wonder I, what I wonder what changed. Well, so part of this—I mean, let's be honest—part of this was resentment of your husband for having me on all the time, including in a shower.
6: No, okay. no, because he's entertained that way, right? No, it was great. I, I, I like to hear. Um, solutions but uh, but what i I guess the only thing that i 'm hearing different now is I believe that we have some extremists on both parties on um, and maybe just in all of the aspects that we deal with as far as leaders go that they're they're bad actors in all of these parties, and when you start saying you know what it's it 's a democrat then i I kind of think that we're labeling people, but when you say it's, it's both in both parties. You're correct. And now I see that you're saying the same thing I've been saying, is we have extremists so that, have taken over, and that we've got to was, stop this.
3: That is, that, that's what did it. Yeah. All, all this time, you thought I was singularly focused on saying the Democrats are a rotten bunch of SOBs. Yeah. Then when I included the Republicans in the group, that, that that okay, that now we're on the same plane. Republicans are rotten SOBs, too.
4: Well, not
6: all of them. There's, no, of course there's not.
3: Well, probably I mean, enough. far less.
6: Let's be honest about that. There's probably far less, uh, but but there are some. So you know, there's some very, and I'm sickened by it. And the more that I see the truth, I can't believe how uh, you know how ignorant I've been. I, I'm 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 just shocked. Like about what? About it.
3: Uh, ignorant about what? What do you What are you? Oh,
6: well, I mean, first of all, I've been. Um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm just amazed at the corruption on the political arena. I mean, I I I got so sick and tired. I'm, I I always been taught that if you complain and you don't do something about something, then you're part of the problem. That's how my family taught.
3: How much? Well, that's good. That's that's. It's, in fact, it's true. So I learned
6: so I so I over I overreached out and just said I last minute in March I decided to run for Congress in Nevada. And I, I did it to find out the truth.
3: I didn't. When, I, when did you decide to run? Are you running soon, or have you?
6: Well, I ran. I ran, and we just. And forty percent of the people who heard me talk voted for me. So I, I have. I realize there's something that I'm saying, which is about accountability and transparency. That's our. That's our number one problem: is we don't know who to trust.
3: Exactly. Let me ask you a quick question: How much of the when you watch the news? Uh, during the day. How much of it do you believe?
6: And it's not a trick question. First of all, I don't watch the news because I can't trust any of it. And I have good reason for it because I've seen news clips that have said 180 degree difference coming from um, Italy and coming from here, seen it the exact same day. There was some stuff said that was when, when I heard that, I never listened to the news after that because none of it, it's all fabricated. It's all Propaganda—it's biased.
3: It's terrible. But now you—you you, you have uh, pretty much trust in what you hear from me on this show.
6: You know what? Yes, the last I—you—I have seen. <laughs> I have seen the light. Yes, I have seen the light, and I am have been listening to you nonstop now, and I'm thankful that you're speaking. A language that i understand now whether it's just now that i understand it but i've got i'm a solution person so i've got solutions i've been working on solutions ever since i woke up a couple days ago Well, you
3: sound like a person that would want to push back against this stuff
6: uh, you know i you know i'm not so much a pushbacker as much as i am is hey how about this idea and let me show you why this is a different idea i'm not a follower i'm
3: Kind of, right, but that's still not... that's still pushback i mean you're you're still saying to hell with that, let's do this you're not just a, you're not you're not such a sheep out there accepting whatever's going on, especially stuff you disagree with so well, look, whatever is the explanation, I'm flattered that you're here and that your husband and you are still together, and that uh, hope I hope you stay here, uh, hope you stay glued to the program because the objective here uh is to never mislead, certainly to never deceive. Uh, and never to tell you things that aren't true. There's no future in that. There's no future in acquiring an audience by lying to them. So uh, we make mistakes, and sometimes we do. We correct them, but we never purposely do that. I'm glad you called, Rosalie. Thanks much. Here's Diane in Allentown, Pennsylvania. You're next. Hello.
6: Good afternoon, Rush. Thank you for taking my call. You Pray bet. Prayers every day for you. Sir.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
6: Okay, so um, what I've been thinking about is while we have citizens of the country imposing and infringing and impinging on the rights of other citizens with these uh, Marxist uh, takeovers and marches and these all the anarchy, what our government is focusing on is reforming the police. Once again, we're bending over to make the left happy while practically ignoring what they're doing. And I'd like to know what you
3: think about that. I think that is right on the money. I, Thank you. I I I started the program uh talking about the Senate doing legislation on police reform and how unusual it is to actually see the Senate or the House actually working on a bill because legislation doesn't come from the Congress anymore, it comes from judges or from unregulated, unelected regulators up on various cabinet levels. But I think you're exactly right. And But this is what happens. This is exactly what Republicans do. So let's go back to 2009, Barack Hussein Oh is the president. And we've known since the campaign of 2008 that he was going to try to nationalize American health care, and it was going to be called Obamacare. And we are expecting our party to push back on this. There is no way the Republican Party is for socialized medicine. There is no way the Republican Party is for single-payer. And a bunch of Republicans ran for office in 2008 on that promise to oppose it. So Obama brings it up, and what's the Republican response? Okay, but we think we can do it better. We think we can do it smarter. They were afraid to oppose Obama because what? Race. They were scared to death to oppose Obama, to criticize Obama, to disagree with Obama on anything. And so that's when the Tea Party erupted. A bunch of people who had never formally been involved in politics— came out of the woodwork organically. They were upset at all the spending. They were upset at the legislation itself. The Republican Party and Democrat Party were blindsided by it. There was no singular leader to attack to destroy it. And they they, they were opposed to They were scared to death of the Tea Party, so they immediately created Occupy Wall Street as a supposed organic Democrat uprising. But the bottom line is that the Republican reaction was not to push back, but rather to say, we think we can do it smarter. It was a pure pander. Now we have police reform. Don't forget, there are two elements of this, and one of them is an executive order by the president. And then we have this legislation that Tim Scott and others are running, and the Senate contain um, opportunity zones and, and some other things. But you're right, it's the same thing. Okay, so a bunch of cops, well, let me rephrase that. A few cops do some really stupid, disgusting things. And protests and discord erupt all over. And what do we do? We act like it's our fault. We act like they're right. It's our fault. We've got to prove to them that we're not like those cops. we got to prove to them that we're not racist. So look, what we're going to come up with a police reform bill. Pelosi and Schumer sit there and smile. They don't have to do diddly squat. In fact, they can oppose it all day long and say it doesn't go far enough. Pelosi can sit there and say, I'm going to kill this bill by throwing a bunch of spending in it that you can't possibly support. You think they're going to let the Republicans get away with winning this? You think they're going to let the Republicans succeed in carrying the mantle of police reformists into the presidential election? There's no way. But you're right. It's not pushback. It's the exact opposite. It's... Some people call it pandering. Other people would call it path of least resistance, uh, or what have you. But regardless, what it does is accept the status quo and accept that we might uh, we might be somewhat responsible for it. No, 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 no. We might be. We'll we'll fix it because it's just so much easier to tell these people to go to hell and to f- straighten up and fly right and stop the BS. Nobody is inclined to do that. Nobody is inclined to say that. There's not a single—I don't—I don't know of a single elected official who will say that to any of the vandals, any of the looters, any of the people that are destroying and rioting and commandeering private property. We got prosecutors that are vacating charges against people who have been caught. After looting Macy's, after having been caught burning down buildings and stores, prosecutors are racing in Los Angeles, in California, New York. They are racing to absolve these perps and to announce they won't be charged. I mean, it couldn't be being handled in a worse way than what we are witnessing. Yeah, that's right, folks. I don't know if you've heard or not, but uh, Quaker Oats has decided they're going to get rid of uh, Aunt Jemima pancakes, uh, pancake mix, and, uh, and the syrup. And they're going to do it. They're going to do it, I think. I uh, think they're going to do it before anybody pressured them to do it. I'm not sure. Somebody may have pressured them to do it. Uh, the Aunt Jemima person was a real person. But here's the story, Aunt Jemima Brand, uh, to change name, remove image that Quaker says is based on a racial stereotype. Now, the this brand, Aunt Jemima, pancake and uh, mix and uh, syrup, blah, blah, 130-year-old brand. And it features a black woman named Aunt Jemima, who was uh, originally dressed as a menstrual character and then as a... Uh, a uh, domestic uh, cook and and maid. But I don't think people know who uh, Aunt Jemima was. There was an actual real person, and I have it here somewhere. Uh, and I'm going to have to delay this. I'm going to have to go back to the phones because I thought I had these two pieces of paper right back to back, but, but I don't. But wait till you hear her story. And when you hear how Quaker Oats made her wealthy and rich, and she's a former slave, and Jemima was a former slave, a real one, not, not a descendant. But uh, I'll, get, I'll, I'll promise to detail this in the, in the opening monologue section of the next hour. Here's Steve in Boca Raton, Florida. Great to have you, sir. Hello.
1: Hello. How are you today, Roger? I'm good. Thank you, sir been a long time. So the first time I ever heard you was driving Highway 99 from Sacramento to Fresno back in 1980.
3: <laughs> wow. I mean, you first are going back. I way- heard you. You're uh, going you're going back before lifer days.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been a long time. Well, now I'm down in Florida like you are. But I'll tell you why I'm calling. I see all this craziness going around And I just keep thinking to myself with 40 million people unemployed and people running on the streets. What I really feel would help is if we had sporting events again, like baseball, like basketball, like something that takes people's minds off of it. The American people need sporting events. There's nothing for them, nothing to occupy their time except the pandemic, except race riots except all negativity, nothing gets their minds off of it, nothing. So I really think it would be very important if somehow, some way, we can get sporting events back again to at least help people alleviate something off their minds.
3: Well, do you think that it's possible right now to, say, play an NBA season or a Major League Baseballs or a partial or to start the NFL in, uh, in September?
1: I think that you could start baseball. I think you can do social distancing. I don't think you have to sell every seat. I think you can do some kind of social
3: distancing. Have you seen the guidelines for baseball? No spitting. You realize that, that that's that, that's impossible to enforce. No spitting. No crotch grabbing. Those guys got to reposition the cups. Can't. No, no, that, that 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 can't be. They have to stop
1: it. You always bring up the point. And you're so right. The whole thing was that we got into the lockdown because we were afraid of hospital spots. Right. Now we have plenty of hospital rooms. My God, there are hospital rooms that are empty. All right. They're laying people off. We don't have that problem anymore. Let's face facts. People are going to get sick. Most people survive. They're fine. Most people like me who are a little bit older, we have to be a little bit more cautious. But we've got to learn to live with this. We cannot destroy it, so we've got to learn to
3: live with it or else we're going to destroy ourselves. Yeah, and and believe me, there are people hoping to benefit from that, Steve. Now, I saw a piece today at a millennial publication called Axios on the NBA plan to return to action at Disney World in Orlando. And I looked at the requirements and how they're going to do it they're going to allow a you know 40 people per, per team, up to 17 players, and then support staff. I'm telling you right now, I don't see how the guidelines and the procedures they've set up can possibly work. I'll find them, and I'll share those with you when we get back at the beginning of the top of the next hour. Okay, I have the biography of uh, the real person Aunt Jemima was share that with you, and I've got the Axios uh, story on the NBA and their attempts to get back to playing at Disney World in Orlando uh, sometime this fall, so you'll be interested in hearing both these things. We'll be right back. And greetings to you, my good friends, thrill seekers all across the fruited plain. It is great to have you here, a thrill and a delight to be with you our phone number, if you want to be on the program today, is 800-282-2882. Okay, Aunt Jemima, a one hundred thirty year old brand from Quaker Oats, a uh, pancake syrup, pancake mix, and what has happened is is that uh, Quaker Oats has announced today that they uh, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna broom the brand and Jemima brand is going to get a new name and they're going to remove the image of aunt Jemima because Quaker Oats says it's all based on a racial stereotype. So I, I, I don't know if black lives matter demanded this or if Quaker Oats just getting out ahead of the curve. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the latter how many How many of you are getting to the point where you're just throwing your hands up? Look, let's get rid of anything that upsets anybody, and then can we shut up? How many of you are getting to that point? Get rid of anything that upsets you, except you and I won't be able to do that. But, I mean, the people that are permitted to have grievances— There are only a certain number of people allowed to have grievances against America. You understand that. We white supremacists are not allowed to have grievances because we are the grievance. White supremacists. What what, what an absolute crock. White privilege. I'll tell you, white privilege is liberal elites. They're the ones that have white privilege. If you want to know what white privilege is, just think of Hollywood, Silicon Valley, New York, Washington, liberal elites, because that's white privilege. That's how it's utilized. That's how it is. It is manipulated. And this this is a white supremacy. But anyway, I I, I digress. Um. While we have to get rid of Aunt Jemima, black Americans have, I think, had robust success in a number of ways. You know something else Shelby Steele says? I, In case you haven't noticed, I dig Shelby Steele. I have quoted from Wall Street Journal columns of his over the course of this program for years. And he's raised a very – see, he can say this. I couldn't say this. He can say it. And by the way, he is a target of the Black Lives Matter. And, uh, you know, Shelby Steele comes out of the Malcolm X generation. Malcolm X, big guy to Shelby Steele. That's, That's how he traces his racial lineage. But he makes the point that he doesn't understand why the American left doesn't find the truly achieved and highly successful African-Americans and put them on pedestals as role models for younger blacks to follow. Instead, bad actors, foul-languaged rappers, uh, people who've been accused of sexual abuse... He says this, the wrong the the wrong message is sent. He doesn't understand why people like himself or Clarence Thomas or Thomas Sowell, and the list is long, why are they not only are they not held up as examples and role models, they are ridiculed. They are ruined. They're called sellouts. And he's exactly right that it's such a disservice uh to 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 young People who don't think they have a chance for success, the reason that they are accused of being sellouts, by the way, how did they try to destroy Clarence Thomas? But before they dredged up and found Anita Hill somewhere, they tried to say that Clarence Thomas, the only reason, the only reason he succeeded is because white people accepted him and he knew that he had to make that happen. So he groveled. And Clarence Thomas sucked up and he sold out his blackness to John Danforth and he became a step-and-fetch-it. So no black success outside of affirmative action was permitted. Thomas didn't use it. That was held against him. It was also held against him that if, if you're a young black and you somehow have white champions, in this case, John Danforth, than your sellout. And that's how people like that are destroyed. And I'm telling you, things could be so much better for so many young African-Americans if the role models would just change. But that's not for us to decide, folks. So we have here a woman named Rache Richardson. Associate professor of African American literature at Cornell's Africana Studies and Research Center, who got her doctorate and taught at two universities, she told the Today Show today that the Aunt Jemima image is an image that harkens back to the antebellum plantation, and Jemima is that kind of stereotype is premised on this idea of black inferiority and otherness, and that it is urgent to expunge our public spaces of a lot of these symbols that for some people are triggering and represent terror and abuse. Aunt Jemima triggers terror and abuse. It's a... It's not the pancake mix, Mr. Snurdly. It is the image. So I found out a little bit about the actual person who Quaker Oats used way back when they created this brand. Her name's Nancy Green. The original Aunt Jemima was Nancy Green. She's a former slave. 130 years ago now. That's how old the brand is. Former slave... She was a cook. She was an activist. She was a renowned storyteller on stage with an audience. She was the first of several black models hired to promote a corporate trademark. She had an amicable personality and talent as a cook. One of the families that she cooked for was the Charles Walker family of Chicago. At the time, a very prominent family whose children grew up to be a Chicago Circuit Court judge and a doctor. She had a uh, you know, visible role in raising the children of Walter, Charles Walker. And having that relationship helped establish the brand of Aunt Jemima, because the Walkers loved her. And when she was hired, they helped spread the word about her getting this job. She was offered by Quaker Oats a lifetime contract to become Aunt Jemima and to promote the pancake mix. Now, this this marked the beginning of a major promotional push by the company that included thousands of personal appearances, There was all kinds of Aunt Jemima merchandising. Nancy Green, Aunt Jemima, helped organize the Olivet Baptist Church. Her career allowed her the financial freedom to become an activist and to engage in anti-poverty programs. She was well paid. She was one of the first black missionary workers. She used her stature as a spokesperson to become a leading advocate against poverty and in favor of equal rights for all people, all people in Chicago. So, by erasing her now, and removing her image from the syrup bottle, the Quaker Oats Company has kowtowed to the flaming leftists and black activists who say that the image is based on racial bias. And it might, because of all the other sensitivities that have been raised, it might offend people now. But prejudicial and racist, I mean, it was... She was a successful endorser. She was a successful model. She had a prominent role in the establishment of a brand that became leading in its category. I'll I'll bet you this professor, this Renee Richet Richardson, whatever, I'll bet this woman does not mention or maybe even know who Nancy Green was and her contributions to real change and reform and upward mobility and the things that she did for real people. No, 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 no. Quaker Oats can do what they want. Don't misunderstand. I just... There's always a truth behind the misconception of news disseminated by the drive-bys. Well, you're going to be waiting a long time for Paul Newman to be removed from spaghetti sauce and salad dressing, because that's his company. That's his company. He he may he may have he may have assumed room temperature, but but uh, what what why how, why does Paul why does Paul Newman trigger you? Oh, he reminds you of white gangsters, and you're scared. Okay, Mr. Snurdly says that Paul Newman triggers him. It, it was um, the Sting movie that got you, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can understand that. Understand that. Okay. Well I'm saying you're gonna you're gonna be dreaming long and hard. For Pat. Paul Newman will be removed from spaghetti sauce, salad and don't forget the popcorn. Okay. The NBA. The NBA details life inside its Disney World bubble. So here I, I can't go through all this, it's very detailed. But I want to go through enough of this so that you all hearing it can ask yourselves can this really work is this the, and th- these these are guidelines for 40 people every team will be comprised of a 40 person traveling party 15 to 17 players you got a pr person you got medical people you got uh, coaches and so forth so 40 people they're all going to be at a different resort at Disney World for the entirety of the season. Players will be tested for COVID-19 regularly. When somebody tests positive, they're in isolation for 14 days. Once they test negative twice in a span of more than 24 hours, they can leave isolation. The NBA will use video to help with contact tracing. Anybody who was within six feet of somebody who tested positive for at least 15 minutes or had direct contact with infectious secretions and excretions, i.e. was coughed on, will be considered a close contact and also have to be tested. Everybody's going to be videotaped at every moment of their lives in in these resorts. Players and staff will have the option to use wearable rings that track their temperature, their heart rate, their respiration rate, and other variables. They also display an illness probability score, the rings. Mask usage will be required indoors except when eating or when an individual's room during games Players, referees, bench players, and coaches in the first row of seating will not be required to wear masks. Why not? If they got to wear masks every other time... Well, Rush, you can't play basketball wearing a mask. It will impair the breathing. I thought this was to protect people from getting the virus out. The mask did that. What's the... Well, let me continue. The NBA will establish an anonymous hotline to report violations. with discipline ranging from fines to suspensions... ...to removal from campus. Players will be told... ...to not spit. Players will be told... ...not to clear their noses. Not to clear their noses? They will not be... ...permitted to wipe... ...the ball with their jerseys. They will not... ...be permitted to lick... ...their hands... Or touch their mouths unnecessarily while playing. Now, a player will automatically twirl the ball up against his belly while holding it in his hands. It's it's a common move. But if he does that, he's, he's in violation and could be fined. dates. June 22nd, deadline for players to report to home cities. June 23rd to 30th, players began being tested. June 24th, deadline for players to inform their teams whether they plan to participate in the return to play plan. July 1st through 11th, mandatory individual workouts at team facilities. July 7th through 21st, teams travel at Disney World. Once they arrive, they will self-isolate in hotel rooms for up to 48 hours until they have two negative tests. July 22 through 29, teams play three scrimmages against other teams staying at the same hotel. July thirty first to October thirteenth, the games are played, and once the first round of playoffs ends, each of the remaining eight teams can reserve 15 to 17 additional hotel rooms for guests. Teams will stay at three resorts based on seating. Each team will have a travel party of 37 people. I said 40. It's worse than that. Anyway, I I, I, I guess it on time. I'm not, folks, I'm not, I'm barely halfway through the restrictions here. Hang on just a second. See, I want you to think how uh, easy it is these days to use your phone as a video camera. I mean, second nature now. don't even stop and think about it. If you're with family, friends, whatever great moment in the making, you simply whip out the phone, switch to video, and hit the shutter. Technology has made all of this so much easier to record it. You share it. You can share it the minute you finished it. And you, you you have that moment recorded forever, and it's on your phone. Of course, if you're backed up, you won't lose it. Now, a decade ago... You were scrambling to find the video camera, the camcorder, whatever it was. You had to turn it on. You hope you had something to record it all on. Had an empty tape cartridge in there. Had to make sure the batteries were working. Because you didn't carry that thing around with you like the phone. It was a special project. Those family members captured on videotape. They're still valuable. You just can't watch them anymore because you don't have the media. You don't have Betamax. You don't have VHS. VHS. You don't have Super 8 film, you don't, none of it. And you've got all that stuff from all of those years ago. But there is a way to bring it back to life on current technology. A company called Legacy Box fixes that problem. Legacy Box digitally transfers family movies onto computer disks, files, thumb drives, in the cloud, whatever, DVDs, however you want it. And they do it within a couple of weeks. So if you've got old family movies on Betamax, VHS, movie reels, bring them back to life with Legacy Box. It's amazing. You start online at LegacyBox.com. Ask them to send you one of their boxes. It's a Legacy Box. It's, It's shielded and protected so none of the stuff in it gets damaged in transit. You put your video cassettes in there, the old pictures of movie reels. They use overnight shipping to keep track of just where that box is in transit. They get started when they get it. They let you know when they've received it. They stay in touch as they're doing the digitizing. In a couple weeks' time, you have digital versions of all of that video you haven't seen in who knows how long. And the original quality is preserved. It's, It's really fascinating, and it is fabulous at the same time. And you can duplicate it, give it away, edit it, whatever you want, as many people as you want to share it with. But start now at legacybox.com slash rush. You uh, you'll say fifty percent that way this week. Sometimes it's twenty-five percent, sometimes forty. They're going all out fifty percent this week at legacybox.com slash rush. And that's the that's the web address. And that'll cover you. Okay, we've got big 30 minutes left. Uh, Finish the NBA stuff. Mixed in with some of your calls. People patiently waiting. Hang on. We'll be right back. Okay, I'll finish with the NBA stuff in a minute. I want to get back to the phones because people have been patiently waiting there. Here's Frank in Long Valley, New Jersey. Welcome, sir. Great to have you here with us.
2: Hi, Russ. Praying for your recovery every day. Thank you, Um, sir. Instead of defunding the police, if you want to make a real change in this country for race relations and the betterment of our country, we should defund the public schools in the inner cities of this country and rebuild them with charter schools, private schools, religious based.
3: You know who would support that faster than you can whistle Dixie? (laughs) African-American moms and dads. Who have to grand- send their kids to these dilapidated places?
2: Grandmothers. I, I live in. I live in. I live in a town, Long Valley, for, about 41 miles away from Newark, New Jersey. And when my children grew up, every morning I felt 100 percent safe when they got on that bus. And 41 miles away, African American mothers and grandmothers fear for their children's lives. Yeah. that's not right. That's not right. Let's de. Let's start defund the public schools in inner cities. We will make a complete change. I heard a... An African-American woman who ran a charter school once, say, on 60 Minutes 18 years ago, she said there'll never be integration without education. And she was a thousand percent
3: right. Let me, about that, do you think that any of this, whatever, we're protest, unrest, looting, right, you think any of this is about integration? No, it's
2: about a small
3: number of no, people. Oh, this is, is about total segregation. Right that's the of that's the point. Bye-bye, Dr. King. I mean, he is so irrelevant now. It's it's amazing to watch this. And, this and, is and, about total segregation.
2: Total. And you asked a while ago to have come up with a new name for the press. It's no longer the drive-by media. It's the propaganda press. That's a nice, short propaganda statement, propaganda press. That's what they should be called. You should be calling them consistently from this point the propaganda press because that's what they are.
3: Yeah, but it's too it's 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 too easy. It's not it's not the, the problem is the word press in there. They're not press, they're not media. That's what has to be overcome. That that's the real challenge of this. Cuz I'm guaranteeing you 75% of America think they're watching the news when they turn this crap on. They are not watching the news. There isn't any news as people think of news. There might be some news reporting in newspapers in sections that have nothing to do with domestic American politics or culture. Meaning, you might get some news of what's going on in East Germany, but so who knows? Uh, I'm sorry, uh, not East well, Germany, period. But even that is a bit of a stretch. Now, it really is activism. It's total, it's full-fledged activism. Yeah, it's based on on, on propaganda, but... Um, it, it, it is a, it's an institution that seeks to destroy all opposition under the guise of fair and objective news. And it, it, has been, it's been fascinating for me. There's, I've been doing this for 30 years. There are a lot of people, quote unquote, in the news business that have been doing this, what they do for as long as I have. 30 years ago, they were not who they've become. Uh, they were liberal, but they did news. They always favored Democrats, but they were not openly activists. There was, there has never been in the news media anything like CNN. And what's amazing to me is Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd used to work at something called the... Uh, the hotline and then he went over to NBC was there when uh, when when Tim Russert was the was the uh, news director and 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 Tim Russert wasn't what these guys are today but he was becoming it with no opposition before he sadly passed away everybody in this business you want to talk about millennials the millennials have totally taken over at the New York Times for example and they have totally taken over in a lot of newsrooms at so-called journalism outlets. But it's, it's been amazing to me that these people have, and it started before Trump was elected. Trump was just the last straw. You know, Trump pushed him over the edge. These are people who didn't have a problem evolving out of journalism and into this activism there was there's not a one of them that opposed it there is not a single american journalist who opposes what the industry has become that is stunning to me and the reason is they are leftists and they are unified and they all are of a singular purpose and that singular purpose is unity in the defeat of all opposition. The elimination of all opposition. They don't believe in debate. They have time for it. We're not legitimate. There's no reason to debate us. What we think doesn't matter. We're outliers. We're illegitimate practitioners. We are extremists. Now, Google runs the news and they're trying to shut down. How about what they tried to do with the Federalist and with uh, Zero Hedge? Do you. You know what they really did? I have a, I have two schools of thought on this. I understand the need for all these websites to monetize. So I understand, I mean, make money. I understand the need for these websites to get in on Google's advertising, uh, uh, shall we say, golden goose. But it's Google. At some point, you're going to have to realize they hate you, and they're going to try to take your money away from you. And then when that happens, why in the hell act surprised? Why act surprised that liberals hate you? Why act surprised that liberals want to destroy you? Why not become self-sufficient? But that's just me. And I'm telling you, self-sufficiency is a definite minority point of view. You wouldn't believe the number of conservatives who think their primary objective in life is fundraising. As in getting donations instead of earning income, but that's just a bugaboo of mine, and I realize I'm in a minority. So what Google did? Google found out that there were some commenters at the uh, the Federalist website and Zero Hedge commenters, people that do not work for the websites. They were just posting comments, public, free speech, freedom of speech. They were posting comments that Google didn't like. So they came along and they they threatened the federal. If you don't get a handle on that, we are going to cancel your access to the Google advertising plan. And they did cancel Zero Hedge for people in the comments section. So the Federalist has a reprieve. The Federalist is not an extreme organization at all. They have some of the best and brightest literal journalists and reporters and opinion writers that you will find in the business today. They have the Federalist has in, in many ways the creme de la creme. No, this is no wonder they're a target. Zero hedge said to be a conspiracy kook website, and so they have become in the they've ended up in the in the in the crosshairs, but I don't know, depending on Google for your livelihood, putting yourself in that, so I know I know look, I don't mean to be making anybody mad out there, and know you're saying easy for me to say it wasn't easy for me to say. We had to go through four years of poverty when this show began to, 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 to get ourselves to a position of financial independence and success. And they were, they were long knives and guns out for us. Before Google, it was called ABC Spot Sales. When this program started, 80% of our advertising came from ABC Spot Sales. ABC Network, Radio TV, they had an advertising unit, and they placed advertising for every American business you can think on radio stations, radio networks. Within a month of this program started, the no buy order, orders went out. ABC spot sales says we got we got to cancel advertising on uh, on the Limbaugh show because uh, too controversial. What? We're only at fifty six stations. How does anybody know we're out there yet? Well, they found you. We they're uh, telling us that uh, they don't want to... it. Was the organized campaigns for this stuff go all the way back to at least nineteen eighty eight? So, I remember having a meeting, syndication partner. We have got to get out of this arrangement. We cannot at all be dependent on these people and just selling us out. Well, how are you going to do it? We hire our own salespeople for crying out loud. We create our own data. Anyway, it took us four years, maybe three. But we became financially independent, and not one of these efforts to stop Rush or to eliminate advertisers, has had any success at all. If it had, I wouldn't be here. So I always cringe when I see all these other conservative organizations end up being harmed by this. Because you don't have to go through it. But I understand if you want to do a website. No, we don't. Look. We end up on our website. There is some Google money that gets placed there because Google tries to to own everything, but we don't seek it. It's a strange, strange uh, circumstance. But the bottom line is we are in no way dependent on it for revenue to RushLimbaugh.com. And again, look, folks, I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble. I'm not being critical. I just, I watch all this stuff happen and... I've been through it and learned how to end up insulated against it. So therefore, I know it's possible to uh, insulate against it. Let me take a brief break. We will continue with more after this. Do not go away. Talent on loan from God. You know, sometime in the next day, you're likely to buy something with your credit card. In the process, you're going to use your data online or in a store. You're not going to think about it because everybody does it now. You do it. And just you're going to trust, you're going to assume everything is secure. You trust the process. And you should. You trust the retail store, the online site, to keep your information confidential. That's like the, their intention. So you can trust it. However, sophisticated computer hackers... See, all of that information as a gigantic target. They know the value of getting that data, particularly your financial information. Now, you can't stop that, but you can protect your online identity with LifeLock. Uh, life Their online systems work 24-7, looking for irregularities in your online behavior. If they spot an irregularity, They let you know they've spotted it and ask if it's you responsible for it. If it is you, you say, no, nothing to worry about. It was me. If it wasn't you, well, then everybody gets into gear trying to figure out what happened and to stop it. That's when the restoration team gets busy. Now, no one company can prevent all identity theft, but I'm telling you, folks, there's nobody does what LifeLock does anywhere near as well as LifeLock does it. Sign up today. LifeLock.com. Use my name. And you'll save 25% off your first year. That's lifelock.com. Remember to use my name. Tucker Carlson, this, this, this uh, Google stuff came up last night. He was talking about the effort to silence the Federalist and the Zero Hedge website. And he, uh, he revealed the truth, and this is, this is accurate. Google controls 70% of all online advertising. So if you're in a news business, if you have a news website, the odds are you obey Google. You can't afford to be shut off. When they tell you to do something, you do it. They can bankrupt you in a minute if you disobey. In history, no entity has ever held more power over information than Google does right now. Where is Congress Weighing in on this in the form of antitrust. Section 230 of the United States Code. Google. Do you know that Google is exempt from liability? They can punish Zero Hedge. They can punish the Federalist for things commenters post in the comment section. But Google can, can do anything, say anything, put anything they want on any website, and nobody can do anything to them. But there is a way using Section 230, and some senators are beginning to talk about it. Ted Cruz, I just saw him on a tube, saying he sent a letter to the CEO of Google demanding to know why this and why that and what for and all that. So uh, we will see. Uh, The living conditions for the NBA, for all the teams, they're going to participate in finishing the season. Teams will stay at three different resorts. Each team at Disney World, every team will have a travel party of 37 people, 15 to 17 players, 18 to 20 support staff, a PR guy, and a content creator. The three resorts are the Grand Destino Tower at Coronado Springs, the Grand Floridian Resort and Spa, and the Yacht Club Resort. There'll be 24-hour VIP concierge. Players-only lounge for TVs, gaming, card tables, ping-pong, uh, ladies of the night. No, I'm just throwing that in. Mental health services, pools, barbers, manicures, salon services, yoga, meditation. Each team will have a dedicated Disney culinary team. Players will get three freshly prepared meals a day and four on game day. There'll be free movie screenings from Disney before they are ever released in a theater, which may never, ever happen again. The point is that the went through the rigor, the testing and uh, the the results for somebody testing positive. It's just I'm doing this for 37 people. Then you add. A baseball team with 25 players, or an NFL team with 53 players plus support staff, you're up to a group of 100 there. It's, well, a challenge to say the least. Say, folks, the Rush Limbaugh store has reopened at the rushlimbaugh.com website. We got some special new things in there for Father's Day, and there's an offer code GREAT DAD. One word, great dad for $5 off your entire cart. Check it out if you haven't yet. See you back here tomorrow.
4: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
4: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
0: (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
4: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report